0: chapter number 33, and we'll be noticing the last few verses there of the book of Exodus chapter 33, and uh, Moses' life here as we've been studying. Moses' life is a life of great intrigue and interest. It is a life of uh, great uh, high points and low points. It is a life of great uh, victory and defeat. And it is a life oftentimes like ours. It is a life just oftentimes like ours. And um, we are approaching tonight this passage in Exodus chapter number 33, verses 18 through 23. It's really some of the most amazing uh, verses in our whole entire Bible. Not only for what Moses is asking from God, but what God does for Moses. Quite very interesting uh, scenario and situation here that God does for Moses' life. Moses is going to ask for something very unusual from God. He's going to ask to see the glory of God. The glory of God. And in asking to see the glory of God, God is going to allow Moses... The opportunity, if you will, for the glory of God to pass by. And though we won't look at it tonight, we'll see it some other time later in Exodus chapter 34. That the glory of God was so bright and astounding that when Moses came down off the mountain, that his face shone like a light. And they had to put a veil over it because they were afraid to look upon Moses because his face was shining. Can you imagine such. Uh, you imagine us this evening walking in here and one of us, uh, somebody says, well, they just got a glow about themselves. Well, Moses had a literal glow. I mean, it was like a light bulb. Uh, they having light bulbs back then, but I mean, he was his face was glowing. It, it was illuminating. And uh, it was miraculous. This glory of God, this goodness of God uh, that passes by Moses Affects his life. And I believe that's really the message for us tonight that we need to see. That God's goodness should affect our lives. God's goodness should affect our lives. So much to the point that other people see it. Other people notice it. We approach this scripture tonight in Exodus chapter number 33 and verse number 18. After, if you recall, Moses has already went to God on this occasion, and he's been with God for a little while now. He's been with God for a little while because the children of Israel have sinned, they have done wrong. They had uh, offered to, they had actually built a golden calf and offered unto it. Moses hears about it, he comes down from the mountain, he destroys the calf, uh, Many people die of a plague. Some die by sword. And then Moses goes back up to God to seek God's forgiveness for these people. God says, I'm going to destroy them. Moses says, please don't. And as he's talking to God, there's some very interesting things that happen to him. And then the Lord says, okay, I won't destroy them, but here's the deal. He says, I want you to go on to promised land but I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. I'll send my angel, but I'm not going with you. And Moses says, no, Lord, that's that's not going to work. I looked at a message a few weeks ago on that, and we just noticed a fact of if uh, God wasn't with you, would you notice? Would you notice? Or if God said, I'm not going to be with you anymore, would you be okay with that? I would say the vast majority of us would say, no, we're not okay with that. God, we're not, we're not satisfied with an angel. We're not satisfied with a prophet. God, we want you. We want you in our lives. The Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, the Bible says. It doesn't say the angel does. It doesn't say the prophet does. It says the Lord does. I want the Lord on my side. Amen. And I hope you do too. And after asking all these things, God tells him that he will go with them. And in verse number 18, Moses speaks again to the Lord and he says, and he said, and this is like out of left field, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I wasn't expecting this at all when, when you read the text. It doesn't seem to come from anywhere. But Moses speaks right up and he says, I beseech thee, Lord. He says, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. And the Lord says unto him, he says, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. The Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I'll put thee in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover thee with my hand while I pass by and I will make mine hand and I will take away mine hand and thou shalt see my back parts but my face shall not be seen. When you read that, you might scratch your head and go, "What's he talking about?" You might ask yourself, wow, why, why, why would he even ask such a request? Either way, it's quite astounding for somebody to see the glory of God. No request has ever been made according to the Word of God. And no request has, to my knowledge, been granted. Because to grant such a request would mean an automatic death sentence, right? That's what he says there. You read it for yourselves. He said, if any man sees my face, they shall not live. So all of it is, when you consider it's quite absurd on a physical and a temporal level. On a physical level, nobody can see God's face. On a temporal level, it's kind of ridiculous to ask too, because if you do get your answer to this request, you're going to die. (laughs) I mean, so why ask such a thing? It's just impossible to do. But when you really consider it on an internal and a spiritual level, Moses has probably asked God one of the most spiritual requests one could ever ask. To see the Lord. To see the Lord. And so God appeases Moses and he answers his request. And he gives him the next best thing. And it's found in verse number 19, you read it with me, and he said, I will make all my what? Goodness pass before thee. He allows his goodness to pass before him. The question I have for you tonight is this, are you willing to see the goodness of God in 2022? Are you willing to see the goodness of God in your life? If you answer that question in the affirmative, then it's going to require some things that the text gives to us. There's some points here that, and I surely won't hit all of them, I surely am probably missing some. But I see just a few things here tonight that lets me get a better grasp, I guess you might say, on how I might be able to see God's goodness, which is really God's glory in my life. Because if we're all very honest with ourselves, I think all of us could say tonight that we in some way, shape, or form in some time in our life kind of lose a bit of perspective on God's goodness or on how good God really is. It's easy to focus on the bad things. And I keep going back to Brother Gear's message. That was an impactful message that he preached on Wednesday night. really impacted me. Just been thinking about that. But he asked this at the beginning of the sermon. He said this. He said, can you tell me some bad things that happened this year? And I bet some of us could say, oh, yeah, I could tell you some bad things. And then he said, could you tell me some good things? I know we're we're all very prone to speak of the negative. Are we not? When it ought to be that as we grow in our Christian walk in life that we ought to find our way seeking more of the positive and the good things of God. Why do we always want to have a bent towards the negative? It's because we're sinful creatures. That's why. Amen. That's why we have a bent towards the negative. We're sinful. We we see the bad in life. We fail to see the good things that come out of uh, little things. We fail to see the good things in life, and we get focused in and honed in on the bad. It's quite amazing to me tonight that the first thing that you must do, the first thing that you must do if you're going to see Notice, experience, whatever other verb that you want to put into there. If you want to know God's goodness in your life tonight, if you want to just begin to experience it, then I'll tell you the secret to it. You may tell you the secret. I got a secret spiritual message for you, all right? All right. Seek it, go after it. Look for it. Ask for it. That's what Moses did. That's all he did. He said, Lord, show me thy glory. I mean, that's the secret. That's the the first thing in understanding and believing and seeing and knowing the goodness of God is just simply making a conscious choice to seek after the glory and the goodness of God. That's it. When you wake up tomorrow morning and you uh, drive off to work, you will make a conscious, direct decision to seek after your keys. All right? And if you're like me, which most of you are not, I'm haphazard most of the time and don't know what I'm doing with most stuff. Most of the time I can't even find it. If my head wasn't attached to my own two shoulders, I don't think I'd be able to find it. Don't say anything, sweetheart, all right? No amens over from the left side, all right? Um, but if I don't put my keys in a particular location in our household, my keys are lost. I don't know where my keys are. I don't have a clue where they're at, and I'm looking all over for them. I mean, I'm looking here, I'm looking there, I'm looking everywhere. I mean, I cannot find my keys. But in the morning, if, you may, if you're going to work in the morning, you will make a conscious and direct effort to find your keys. You will do it. Because why? Because you've got to go to work. Because you need to get in your car. Because you've got to go somewhere. And that's the first step in understanding the goodness of God and experiencing the goodness of God. If you want to experience and know the goodness of God, then look for it. Go after it. Seek it. Ask God to show it to you. Better yet, why don't you write it down? Amen? Why don't you write it down? Write something down that God has been good to you about this past year. No, I mean it. You got a pen in? Anybody got a pen? You got a pen right now? Somebody taking notes? If you're taking notes, write something down right now in your heart right now. Say, God has been good to me in this matter right here. If you don't have a pen on you right now, go home tonight. Write it down. Hey, God has been good to me. But you know, it would be a blessing, I believe, to your family if you wrote a list of ten things that said God is good to me in this matter right here. In these matters, God's been good to us. And then share it with them. That'd be a, be a, that, that's a good way to be a leader in your home. That's a good way to be a spiritual leader in your household. People think that to be a spiritual leader, you got to do all these things you know, awful charts, spiritual things, really all it is is just, you could just simply say, you know what, God's been good to us, amen? I see it in this matter, I see it in that matter, I find people too many times just don't want to see God's goodness. Too many times people and Christians want to look at various circumstances that are around them and they want to blame God for this or they want to get mad at God for that or they just simply forget and don't. Think of God and His goodness and grace in their life. We're all guilty of this. There's not one of us that is not. I'll be the first to put my name on the list that I am. That's why we must be reminded that we must look to God in these times. Look, Moses was not in a good place, okay? Everybody get that? Did I already express that at the beginning of the message? Okay? The nation had sinned horribly. I mean, this uh, uh, people were dead because of it. I mean, Moses. Okay, understand this. This is the Bible, right? Everybody understands this, okay? Everybody says this is the Bible, okay? Everybody understands that that Adam and Eve did not write Genesis one one, right? Amen. Everybody got that? All right. Who wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Anybody? Anybody? Any, any Bible college students here? Who, who, Alex? Who? Moses did, yes, yes. Thank you, Bible college student, all right? Uh, uh, He wrote the first five books of the Bible. But do you know something else is very important to us to understand? That guess what? Genesis wasn't the first book that was written by Moses. You realize that also? Do you know what Moses, one of the first things that Moses was handed to that was written by God on, on, on on some tablets, do you know what they were? They were the Ten Commandments. And you know what Moses did with the very first thing that God wrote with his own finger? He broke them. You're not having a good day when you destroy the first thing that God writes, okay? That's not a good day. He was not having a good year, all right? Okay? It wasn't banner year for Moses, all right? It was not a good time. But you know what he says? God, show me your glory. God, I need to see your goodness. I need to see you, God. And if you're going to to see God's goodness, you're going to have to ask for it. You're going to have to seek it. You're going to have to go after it. I love what David says in Psalm chapter 27, verse number 13. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. David was in a bad way too. Psalm 27 is all about David experiencing false witnesses that were coming up against him. And he says, I would have fainted. I would have fallen. I would have quit. I would have been done with this thing. Had not I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Is God's goodness still upon this green earth? It is. It's in the land of the living. The land of the living is where you're at right now. God's goodness is still here. It's at your work. It's at your home. It's as you're riding down the road. God's goodness is in the land of the living. And you've got to ask for it, but you've got to believe that it's still there too. You've got to believe it's still there. Some people, they they say, well, I've just lost faith in people. I can't see the goodness in people. Well, I can believe that. I can see how you can lose faith in people. I can see how you can not see the goodness in people. The Bible says there is, uh, none, none, there is none righteous, no, not one. But you can never say, I don't see the goodness in God. I don't see the goodness in God the very word good comes from the very word god that's where it comes from he is a good god and you will faint and you will quit and you will backslide and you will drift away from god and i've seen it in my life and i've seen it in other people's lives they begin to drift away from god get away from the lord when they fail to recognize The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The goodness of God where they're living at. The goodness of God where they're at in their life right then. Moses wouldn't allow that to happen. He wasn't going through a good time. Times were not good. And as much as he had gone through... And experienced himself, he was not going to allow himself to stop believing that God is still good. And that God's goodness could be revealed to him. That's really key to the message tonight. It's not just so much that God is good, and we say that sometimes. But that literally that God's goodness can be revealed to us that we can see God's goodness, that we can actually experience and know the goodness of God. You see, God's, uh, God's goodness is not something that is, uh, that is just kind of uh, just out there. We don't say, well, God's goodness is here and it's there. No, God's goodness can actually be experienced in your life and known in your life. And when you do so, my friend, the Bible lets us know that great things happen and great changes happen and God begins to work in our hearts and in our lives. As much as he had gone through, Moses was not going to still stop believing that God was good and that his goodness could be revealed to him. And I ask you, do you believe that? Do you have the faith to believe that God's goodness is still available to you? It's still accessible to you? It's still applicable to you and your life? Is it? It is, but you're going to have to seek it. Number number two, I believe we see that if you're going to recognize and see God's goodness, we must seek after it, but we also must believe In God's sovereign plan. Now look here in verse number 19. He says this. And the Lord answers Moses and says to him, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Isn't it interesting to you and to me tonight that God relates his goodness and his glory as the same thing? That's very interesting, that God's goodness and God's glory are intertwined. God doesn't say to Moses, I will make all my glory pass before thee, even though that's what he does, even though that's what happens. But he says, I will make my goodness to pass before thee. In verse number 22, he calls it his glory. He says, and it shall come to pass that my glory, when my, while my glory passeth by. He intertwines the two. They're inseparable. His glory and his goodness are in the They are the same. And I'm, just telling, I'm not telling you tonight by, in this message that God is going to maybe hide you in some cleft of the rock and he's going to uh, allow for uh, him to pass by again or anything like that. But what I am saying here tonight is this, is that his glory and his goodness, they are inseparable. And when God's goodness passes by, then we ought to recognize it, we ought to see it, we ought to believe it, we ought to ask for it, but we do so by believing in God's sovereign plan. He tells them in this passage, he says, I will be be, be gracious unto whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. If we're one of those ones that think we get to decide on who God's mercy and goodness should be distributed unto, then we'll oftentimes become cynical in our thoughts and our beliefs towards God. we'll start saying well life's not fair god's not fair i don't understand why god is good to this person not good to me or good to this or bad to this person not good to that person Uh, We'll adopt that fatalist attitude and we'll start to believe that it's okay to just believe that God is just uh, uh, just kind of randomly picking and choosing who he will be gracious to and randomly choosing and picking whom he'll be merciful to. That God is just kind of some arbitrary God out there just kind of dishing out grace and mercy and goodness to whoever he wants to and there's nothing that we can do about it. There's nothing that is available to us. But when we get like that, we are really adopting not just a fatalist attitude, we're really adopting an evolutionary attitude. An evolutionary attitude is just saying, you know, the strongest will survive, I guess. You know. We'll have that rocker type attitude. Some some people just get all the luck, you know. Some people just I mean some people are just lucky, I guess. But is that the way it is? We need to walk away from such thinking. We need to have a mind that is, according to Philippians 4.8, where he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We must learn to think in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. I love what Proverbs 19:11 says: "The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression." I believe it was John Gill that said, "If it is glory for a man to pass over a transgression, how much more glory is it to God to pass over a transgression?" The glory of the Lord lies in his goodness, he says, and that appears in his works of his hands, the method of his providence, and especially in the distribution of his sovereign grace and mercy, particularly those in pardoning and giving grace unto him, he who will give grace unto, through the blood of Jesus Christ. We must believe that God has a sovereign plan in all of these things, in all of our lives, in every bit of our lives. It's not just some get lucky and some don't. It's not just that some pick the right numbers and some don't. Some get dealt a bad hand and some don't. That's not the way life works. God is not working arbitrarily. God is not just kind of dishing things out as He will and as He pleases in a sense that He's just blindly throwing out the, 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 the Benjamins, if you will. No, my God is a sovereign, providential God that has got it all under His perfect and in control. You say it doesn't make sense. I'm not asking for it to make sense. Because it doesn't make sense. God told us it wouldn't make sense. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. God told us life would not make sense because guess what? God does things in a way that we don't understand. You don't know what's going to happen in 2022. You didn't know what was going to happen in 2021. We have no idea what will happen tomorrow. But in order to see the goodness of God, we must believe that God is sovereign. He's in complete and total control. That, he's, that His providence is outstanding. That He is, gives wonderful grace and mercy. That He gives us pardoning grace and mercy through the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at the life of Joseph. Does Joseph's life make sense? You think Joseph understood why he was experiencing all the things that he was going through? But you know what? There was one thing about Joseph's life that is characterized whenever you read his life. It is this. The Lord was with him. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with him. Bible says that even Potiphar himself saw and it could tell that the Lord was with him. You know when people can tell when God is with you? Is when you don't stop recognizing the goodness of God. When you don't stop recognizing the goodness of God. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we were just watching. I show, my wife and I, and uh, on PBS, and uh, I can't even remember his last name, but Chet was down at, in uh, West Texas, at Sager Hats, is it Sager? Was that the name of it? Segler Hats. Anybody ever heard of Segler Hats? It's a famous West, famous Texas hat Coming. If you want a hat from Segler Hats, you know what? You go down there, you get fitted. Mr. Segler will fit you up, all right? And you can have your hat in about 14 to 18 months, all right? I think he's done John, he did John Wayne's, Lyle Lovett's, all the, you know, a lot of famous movie stars' hats. But it was so interesting to me. Here's this old man, and here we are on PBS, you know, <laughs> I'm watching the Day Tripper and uh, Mr. Sagler says uh, I just want to say one thing he says I just want to give all glory to Jesus Christ my Lord he said because you know because Chet asked him he said how do you know how to how to work these hats how do you know he said well first of all I just want to give glory to Jesus Christ I'm a firm believer in that Jesus Christ my Lord and I'm not smart enough to be able to figure out how to do all these little things in life. I'm not smart enough to figure out how to uh, make these hats. In fact, if I look at all these hats, I can find an imperfection in all of them. He said, but as I've been doing it, I've just been asking the Lord and seeking the Lord, and the Lord has shown me different ways and different methods on how to do things. You know, right there, I just love that on PBS, you know what I mean? I thought that was wonderful. That That just thrilled my soul. I loved it. But here's a man that's willing to give glory to God no matter what. No matter what. Are you willing to give God glory in everything? Are you willing to find His goodness in every way, shape, form, and fashion possible? Say, I can't find it. Well, then go back to the first point. Look for it. Start seeking it. What did I tell you this morning? What did the Bible tell you this morning? You seek after God and you'll find Him. You seek after His goodness, you'll find it. Now the final point is this. And this is is the point that probably struck me the most. Is that if we're going to go after the goodness of God, we must find rest in the cleft of the rock. Now, let me describe to you what a cleft is. A cleft is a divide. It's a split in an open place. In a mountain it is a place where the rocks are split in the mountain. It's a narrow spot, usually only able to fit one person at a time. It's hard. It's jagged and it's rough. All of that, to say this, is that a cleft in the rock is not a comfortable place to be. You wouldn't want to say, you know what, It would, not, it would not be a good hotel name to be called the cleft of the rock, alright? That would not be, that wouldn't be a place you'd want to stay, okay? It was not comfortable, it's not nice, it's on a mountain. But if you're going to see the goodness of God, then you're going to have to. We're all going to have to find rest in the cleft of the rock. All it means is this, is that it is uncomfortable. But this is the place that God tells Moses that you will see me and my goodness in such a way that you've never seen before. He tells him in verse number 21, he says, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass that while my glory passeth by, listen to what he says, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock. Now he says, he says, you stand by the cleft, stand by the rock, but then he says, I'm going to put you. I'm going to shove you into the rock. I'm going to shove you inside of there and put you in a tight squeeze, Moses. And I'm going to put my hand over you so you can't see my face. And then after I pass by, I'm going to let my hand go. And you're going to see my back parts. And you're going to see something you've never seen before. And this is so true with you in our lives. You will rest more in the goodness of God whenever you're in between a rock and a hard place. Than you ever will when times are going good. whenever you are uncomfortable, whenever you're jammed, whenever things are tight, that is when God's goodness really wants to shine. That's when God's goodness really wants to come out, if you're willing to seek Him there, if you're willing to rest there. Now, too many times, I mean, we're like, we're just saying, get me out of this stupid cleft, you know? (laughs) That's what most of the time we're saying. I'm tired of being jammed up and tight, and just I'm just want to get out of here. We're all fidgety and 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 anxious and worried and stressed, and we say, "I want to, I'm tired of this, man. I've been there, and if you're an adult, you've been there too. I just want to get out of here. I was—that's how I felt. Alex, you're on what year and a half left, you know. Junior years, you know, you're just sailing, you know what I mean? No cares, no worries, you know what I mean? About senior year, though, man, I mean, come along about March. I mean, you're just so antsy and tired of school and tests, and you hate everything that's going on there. You can't stand it any longer. You don't want to be there any longer. You're just ready to get out. You're done. God says, that's the time to rest. That's where I want to show you my goodness the most. The goodness of God will never stand out in good times as much as it stands out in the bad. He says, Moses, I will put you there. You say, I put myself into this situation. Or sometimes people say, well, Satan put me in this situation. But look at the text. The text says, I will put you into this place. Yeah, maybe your decisions uh, put you in a place where uh, God has to put you in a different place. But the point of the matter is this, is that God is the one that is in all sovereign control and plan. He can just do whatever he decides and wants to do. God has placed you there so that you could experience the goodness of God. No man can see God's face. But every man and woman can get a glimpse of God when they see his goodness. You are, you and my friend, my friend, you are no different than Moses. You can see and experience and know the goodness of God tonight. Today, this year, if you're willing to rest in the cleft of the rock. All of God's people find their greatest rest in the most sacred cleft the world has ever known. Meyer said this, The sides of the mountains are rent and scarred, but who can tell the anguish of him who was marred for us? Yet in the cleft of the wound of his side there is still room for us to hide. Rock of ages, what? Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. On Calvary, Meyer said that a niche, a niche was hollowed out in which a world of sinners may find shelter. Jesus is that rock of ages and only allows one sinner in at a time, if you will. You cannot find rest in Jesus vicariously through somebody else, my friend. You find Jesus and Jesus alone with you alone. You don't go in as a family, you don't go in as a group, you go in alone with Christ. The cleft of the rock is narrow. Jesus said, enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. But many be there that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Most people want the easy road, don't they? Most people want the broad road. Most people want to say, I'm a good person. Most people want to say, I I just don't want to go that path. But I'm glad to report to you tonight that the cleft of the rock, my friend, the place to find perfect peace and rest is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. In Christ and in Christ alone. When you find your rest in the cleft, when you begin to seek the goodness of God, when you begin to believe in His sovereign plan, When you believe that there is only true rest and safety and security that is found in the cleft of the rock in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll begin to see the goodness of God. Maybe you're not in a good spot right now. Find the goodness of God. Maybe in six six months from now you won't be in a good spot. Seek the goodness of God. Maybe you're in a good spot right now. Seek the goodness of God. Wherever you're at in life right now, may we all determine to experience, to know, to be satisfied. Not just to know that God is good. He is. But to actually experience it and know it in our own lives. And to live it out. Because when you do. When Moses came down off this mountain. His face shone. You can tell Christians. You can see it in their face. When they truly believe God has been good to them. You can see it, it's written all over them. The world can see it. People can see it. And sadly, sometimes that light turns off of our faces. It turns off. Some of you, right now, that light's on. Some of us, the dimmer's kind of gone down some. Say, how do I get it dim? How do I get it turned back up, dialed back up? Seek God's goodness. Believe His sovereign plan. And rest in the cleft of the rock. Rest there. God will show you His goodness. It's oftentimes in the bad times, not in the good, when God's goodness is greatly seen. May God help us. Just sit